Thanks for tuning in today. This is Seema Vasa. It is August and hopefully you are enjoying the last few weeks of summer, taking some vacation, walking on a beach, enjoying the great weather. I've curated a few of past Data Guru episodes that I think you might enjoy or catch up on in case you missed it. I will be back in September with new guests, fresh content, and a few surprises. Enjoy the episodes. The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. my gosh, this is a first for me, Adam. It's live podcasting for Data Gurus. Thanks for joining me on the I'm podcast. so today. excited to be here. So we have a fun topic that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Leadership as it relates to the last two years, the world has changed. And, you know, why don't you just give a little bit of background as to yeah. what you're doing and, you know, yeah, a little sure. bit of perspective. Yeah. It, so Adam Jolly, I'm the uh, EVP general manager of America's at Paradigm. That's a fancy way to say like I run a lot of the revenue. <laughs> Um, and for me, and I'm going to say something like when the pandemic hit, it was such like a shock to everybody. And it was a huge shock to like my career because I had just quit my job president of yeah. a company for 13 years and quitting the job. And then the pandemic hit yes. months later. And so I'm navigating the non-compete world. I'm navigating what do I do for a career. Do I do leadership? Do I do individual contributor? And then at the same time, it's everyone was going through the biggest yeah. pain and the biggest you know, influx that they've ever had. Yes. And so at some points, and I always feel horrible when I say this, but like, it's almost like a blessing to be in the storm with everybody. Right. Right. Yes. That everyone doesn't know what they're doing and not sure how to handle things. And so it changed me a lot. I mean, mm. if I've talked, like, I always think like if I would have started Paradigm the yeah. day after I left the old job, the ball just keeps rolling. Yeah. And like the leadership style, the strategy, my thoughts about how to do anything with revenue or sample, it just stays the same. Right. And I right. never get better. I never change yeah. at all. But because of having to change, because the bottom fell out of a yeah. lot of things, because just the change in mindset from the employee, having to innovate, I mean, all things like IIX is perfect yeah. to talk about. Right, exactly. Because of those things made such a more influence, I had to change how I was doing everything. And it kind of, uh, I don't know. It I think it better. made us all a little bit more human, right? In right. terms of, you know, when I think about those last couple of years, you know, doing a bunch of different things as it relates to, you know, being a co-founder of Paradigm Sample and watching the operators really try to figure things out on the investment banking side. You know, people yeah. or companies are trying to figure out, is this the time that I need to get out? Because I have no idea what the future holds. But when it came down to it, it was all about people. And... Yeah. You know, I think it was rewarding to see that leaders started really, not that they didn't focus on people before, right. but there was no choice but to focus on people because right. that's really what drove their business. And then to a sense, I think that we were in such a routine, you start to get lazy. Yeah. Really. Like it, speaking from somebody like a revenue, a salesperson, 
you run the same reports all the time. Right. It's the same KPIs. It's the same goals. You just increase it for the next year, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the same job over and over again. And then you almost, the people become replaceable. Right. The product becomes a widget. Everything is, is commoditized. Yeah. And so when you have to make a change, like, being a sales manager, I think three years ago was probably the easiest job in the world. Like you're just running reports. And <laughs> right. Say, Look, here's some cool I found in Tableau. Here's an opportunity. Like, right. Yeah. Everything is about. And now, like, you got to think about things a little bit more mm. because not just how we used to think about the market, like right. the product and competition, but then there's competition for your people. Yes. And you can't like if anybody here like has a sales playbook. Yeah. I would just like, how do you still have that? Yeah. Like, there's no one way. To manage, there's no one way to sell. There's no one way to communicate to everybody. And if you are, you're really limiting every piece of it. You're limiting the amount of employees. You're limiting the clients you can go after, how they want to hear messages. Yeah. And I think that's because of the pandemic and because like the bottom dropping out that we got there. Yeah. Well, I also look at it as almost as an opportunity to personalize your message as a leader. Right. Right. I mean, you right. can't. I think the thing is that we couldn't push hard because we didn't know where people were mentally. Right. We didn't know where yeah. their families were. We didn't know what their children were dealing with. And so you still had to try to deliver results and try to make progress, but you had to factor in, like, how do I personalize this message? How do I motivate somebody to really get, not even excited, but to kind of show up for work every day and do yeah. what they can do and not make them feel horrible that they're not yeah. 100%. You know, I actually, I saw that a little, got that would be a little bit easier as soon yes. as it became remote yep. because, you know, when I... Well, they always question is like, what's in it for me as yes. a salesperson, yes. right? And a lot of times that's your commission or your paycheck or like the stability of a job or yep. insurance with a job, things like that. But then like, there's something about when we started all going remote and seeing Zoom and like, I can see somebody's background. Yeah. I'm not like in a conference room at somebody's desk or I see somebody's kid run through the back or like, I see like somebody's like Miss Pac-Man machine in the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah. right? And I yeah. can be like, oh my gosh, like you learn a little bit more about right. somebody. And then that was the easiest part for me to kind of customize yeah. my approach to any type of leadership. Well, it breaks it down, right? It right. makes people more vulnerable, more open, and you can start a dialogue that's not from, how are you doing with your numbers? It's yeah. more about life. Yeah. Everything's a road game. Yeah. Right? When you're doing that. You have yeah. to adapt. You don't have like your own comfort. Yeah. So how did you personally change? I think my first piece was that I stopped looking at what had happened. Mm-hmm to make all my decisions. Okay. And I stopped looking at what was happening today to make okay. decisions. Okay. So what does that mean? Like, what did you focus on? I think I was forced and a lot of people were forced to start thinking about goals differently Yeah. and think about goals as far as like, if we hit this goal, we advance this part of the business mm -hmm. instead of if we hit this goal, we just up it next year. Right. Right. Yeah. Right? I tell this story. So last year, great year for mm -hmm. us. It was great. I mean, yeah. I, running through this conference and be like, hey, you're going down. Yeah, right. like, everybody's loving it. But like, so we hit a goal super yeah. early. And traditionally in the past, like it, my brain instincts is like, you move the goalpost yep. out because you don't want apathy from your salespeople yes. or from the company or anybody. Right. And it's just like, well, great. I hit my goal early and my goal. And now right. my prize is that I get a higher goal. And I have to work harder. Right. Right. <laughs> so instead, like, I mean, we made a product roadmap. Yeah. And we started thinking, okay, so these are the products. These are things we want to do for the next three years. Yep. And then when we hit that goal early September of right. last year, then let's just move up yeah. those parts. Yep. So like we have internal products that were supposed to launch in 2022 that launched September of last year. Yeah. New features and tools that we had pushed back. 
And so when we raised the goal, it was like, okay, so now we're raising goal again, and that could help move something even further up. Yeah. And that is the what's in it for me beyond the paycheck. Because right. I think when COVID happened and you're relying on your paycheck, you're relying on your company for insurance and things like that, like that becomes so fragile. Sure. Yeah. So now there's something else to it. Like right. there's like an actual emotional attachment to your job and that's how you push people forward. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I'll be transparent, it's the same thing as yes. turn the goalpost back and be like, hey, we're raising your goal. Good <laughs> luck. Maybe you get some commission or something. It's a but different way of doing it. It's a it. different way of yeah. doing it. And I think to me, it brought more of a buy-in to all sure. of our employees. Well, I always think leadership involves winning hearts and minds of employees yeah. or even colleagues. I won't even say employees anymore. It's just colleagues, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you buy into what we're talking about? And if you don't, let's have a conversation. Right. And I think more of that happened, the facade of here's a roadmap, let's go hard charging and not right. factor in the hearts and minds of people. I think that shifted a lot. Yeah, because I think... At the end of the day, and I said at the beginning, we talked about commoditization, like these insights things, like what is your value prop yeah. can get lost. And I hate to say like people are a value prop or yeah. services a value prop. And so you have to always be thinking yeah. about that. And people are such a big part. Like yeah. I can never say that I did something. I hit a goal. Yep. Like, and that sounds stupid. Oh man, that sounds stupid. <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. we did this. We did this. Yeah. But I think now... Like there's more of a comfort. I've never been a huge believer in teamwork. Yeah. And now I am yep. because like we're all came together yep. through a tragedy or came through such a huge change that you need those type of things. I totally agree with you. And I think like it did take a lot of people working together to accomplish goals. Yeah. And you know, some businesses didn't survive, yeah. unfortunately. And yeah. I think it's important to remember that as well, because we're always so hard on ourselves. So much. Yeah. You stop and smell the roses a bit. Uh, yeah, a lot. And I think that, you know, one thing that I think is huge that started like this change in leadership is so much more emphasis on branding, yeah. personalizing, yes. and as a company. You know, I was just sitting, Priscilla was talking about LinkedIn and doing your personal branding. And I think it's more emphasis on companies now than ever, too, yeah. because so much has changed. And the people that were slow to do that mm-hmm. are getting left behind. Mm-hmm. We're all here. Like, think about the face-to-face market research firms that have changed the yes. perception of how they're branded. Yep. Right? And mm-hmm. so, like, me and Adam Dietrich, my colleague, we always say, Qual is eating our lunch. Right. Time. Because their brand is blowing us away. Yeah. Right? And they're doing things because, let's be honest, it was really tough yeah. for a few months. For sure. There were some zeros on the ledger. And then you had to. You get pushed to a point. I hate the phrase comfortable being uncomfortable, but like you get pushed to the point where you have to do something that is uncomfortable. You have to make the game. You have to make a change. Yeah. yeah. Having to innovate is a shitty seat to sit yeah. in. Yeah. You had to do it. Yeah. And so they've changed how they're doing it. And see that like agile companies, they have taken mm-hmm. their own brands mm-hmm. to where like, you, I don't even know what agile means anymore. Right. And so like <laughs> you just change how much of the branding. It'll be interesting. I want to go back to personal branding. I think a lot of leaders focus on their personal brand outside of the company. And I think in this time where people are working remotely and their life is now integrated into their work, you know, my thesis is that personal branding internally is just as important as externally. What do you think? Oh my gosh. I think we forget about internal things so much. We're not, we don't skimp on internal things when it comes to like uh, internal platforms to make our jobs. Sure. Easier, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, man. Slack. Sure these yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> look at this Power BI. But like, oh, when I think about. I love Power BI, by the way. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> but like internally, you know, we use the term evangelist internally yes. about things. Yes. You know, to make the silos of work, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be silos between operations and 
your platform. Of course. And whatever. The natural tension. And so each person has to be, each department has to have an mm-hmm. evangelist. That doesn't mean that they're the C-suite of that department. Right. It doesn't have to be. They yeah. could be the fifth person on the podium. hundred percent. The 24-year-old right out of college. Yep. Just knows how to communicate, knows how to get a buy-in from people. So that internal evangelism is yeah. huge. Yeah. for us. Let alone like how you see the people around you. I mean, it feels great to get a text message like, hey, People think you're cool. Let's go to a bar. It's right. awesome. I texted last night. Told them they were the coolest person. What are you doing? Where bar? Are you? But like, it's so much more internally. Yes. To have that buy-in and like, I think back to like old like revolution, like George Washington. Yes. Stuff. Like, yeah. Like George Washington is different now. He was because everyone never relied on him, and we're all in the boat together, like mm. rowing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the most important part about business now is to make sure you have your own house in order yes. before you're putting it out. And it takes time, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of thought and, and you know, it just makes that team stronger. I think it's super important. And I do think there's something to be said that, you know, you, we used to have people in a building where yeah. they used to come into an office and you had their mind, right? At least 80% of the time, yeah. 90% of the time. Sure. And now everybody's kind of in their own worlds and having that kind of personal connection and branding is really important, especially for leaders. Let's talk about, since we're at an innovation conference, yeah. what have you seen as it relates to leadership and embracing innovation? It's scary. Mm-hmm. I think it's scary for people not to do, especially when things are going well. Yeah. Right? To be like, okay, we need to innovate, to have any type of foresight. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I think we put that to one person or one department in the company. Yeah. Like, rest on the CEO's head. Like, yes. What's next? And we're right. just waiting, like, hey, what's Tell us what's play? next. Yeah. Right? Tell us the next thing we're yeah. going to do. But now, innovation has to be a company wide thing. Mm-hmm. Like, every department has to be thinking about what is next. Yeah. And that goes to what I was saying earlier. Like, can't look at what we've done. Right. Can't look at what we're doing today. I have to look at where we're going. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier said than done, right? Sure. For yeah. sure. And I also think like the rubber meets the road when you kind of get the salespeople involved. Like, yeah. I can't sell that. There's no way I'm going to be able to sell that. Yeah. And it's being able to create that bridge with, hey, here's what we're thinking about investing in and building and bringing the entire organization along. We talk about, you know, communities and we talk about consumers who are being yep. interviewed throughout the innovation cycle when we build product. But there's another concept, which is bringing your people along yeah. through the innovation process. And that's a tough balance. It's super, t- especially when you're innovating and like things don't, nothing has a rocket start. That's right. Right. Yeah. Well, and they typically don't. No. Right. <laughs> so you have to be so deliberate. You have to be annoying. Yes. To a point. Yes. Uh, my, one of the people that I learned the most about in sales was uh, Nick Dawala from SurveyMonkey, now Momentum. And we were launching this new product, which is their concept testing. It's right. great. Yeah. The first couple meetings, like we would have a pipeline meeting. Yep. You've got 10 people in a, on a Zoom call and... We're talking about like $8,000 in revenue. Yeah. And like, you're like, what the fuck are we spending right. an hour talking yes. about $8,000 for? But it was always deliberate, talking about every single opportunity and how could you, well, and there were times I would get off of that meeting and be like, I just wasted an hour. Great. Yeah. Like yeah. that's something I could have been selling something else. Right. But when you put that much deliberate intention on something that you have conviction and a passion for. And then all of a sudden that 8,000 becomes 80, yes. 100,000. Yeah. The pipeline's huge. And that's what's keeping the lights on. Yep. 
and we did that last year with yep. our full service. I mean, yep. they were their first couple of meetings. I remember. And oh my gosh! Yeah. Just like guys, you guys need to care about this. <laughs> I know we're talking about one translation study, right? But like, we need to care about yes. this because it could be something big, and it caught like wildfire, and people start to believe in it. And it's a fine line too in taking market feedback, taking input from sales, taking input from marketing, from people who are building products, and really rationalizing what's important, why is it important, and getting again everybody to agree to those decisions. But I do think it's a culture. I mean, I see it on the investment banking side where, you know, literally I had a client who said, I wish I didn't have to ask my management team if I could buy this company. And I started laughing. I'm like, why? And they're like, this is so innovative. They can never embrace it. And like, so that's an interesting problem to have as a leader where you see these companies that you might want to acquire, but it won't pass the road test for your executive team. I think part of that goes into our misdiagnosis of what culture is in leaders. Okay. It's a crutch yeah. for a lot of leaders. Yeah. And when they think culture, they think, you know, we have pizza on Fridays every day. <laughs> yes. Hubbard's got a bunch of granola bars in they it. They don't speak my language. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, hey, bring your dog into work. Right. That's a culture thing. Yeah. When really, you know, we've taken on the culture of that investment yes. taking, like taking those data-driven gambles. Yep. And everything we do is we'll do the due diligence yes. like a management consulting firm. Yes. Would. Like, okay, will this work? Okay, this has a really good chance of working. Right. Let's end. Right. Okay, chance of failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we make the gamble. Yeah. Like, let's start a new product. Yep. Let's go after that client, but maybe we shouldn't. Right. And really, ma- and that is our culture. And fail fast. Yeah, and fail fast when right. it doesn't work. Yeah. And that is so much more when everyone's thinking like that, then the goals are a little bit sweeter. Well, I think you also yeah. embrace diversity too, right? Yeah. In people yeah. and ideas, it's not sure. just one size fits all. It's like, oh, you have a different perspective and you might be more open to that perspective because maybe you bring a different less lens based on your culture or how you grew up. It sounds so basic, but it is an important part of leadership. It's a huge part and it's diversity for the point of growing, not yes. diversity for diversity's sake. I totally agree with that. Right. 100%. And so, I mean, we see that we have 120 employees, yep. 80 employees are in India. Yep. And it was a long road to where, like, we put Indian representation on our ELT. Yes, yes. We have Indian salespeople that aren't just doing, like, yep. mass bidding yep. type things. So, like, we don't say offshore. Right. We say global offices right. now. That was a big um, change. We have Canadian offices. Yeah. Like, you bring in women, you bring in diverse cultures, not just so you can check a box, yeah. but so that there's different ways of thinking. About and you things. see the value. You truly, oh my God, underlying, yeah. see the value of it. Yeah. Right? And we butt heads a ton <laughs> about like, other things, yeah. naturally, but everyone having a different perspective. Not yeah. only, and here's the part that we miss all the time, is like, it's not just we're better internally, yeah. but we don't have the same face that we're selling to yeah. all the time. Yeah, also. that's so true. Who knows when there, where there might be a connection mm-hmm. that... You know, this person could do because of their... They can relate. Upbringing. They yeah. can relate to those yeah. type of things. It's just like the different messages. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why, like, there's like three different Diet Cokes now. There's Coke right. Zero. <laughs> like, everything has something different because there's different people that want to buy those type of things. True. So, personal question, what are you going to focus on as it relates to leadership going forward? Do you have a goal? Do you have a... Well, I know you think about goals differently, but yeah. what is the kind of the thing that you personally are working on? I'm getting to the point when I think about leadership, about thinking things as like the second mountain type Okay. Thing. All right. So like, like David Brooks wrote this book, Second Mountain, and he's whatever. But right. the premise of the book yeah. that like you work for the first part of your career to build yourself up to a place. Yep. And then there's a valley. And then the second part of your second mountain is bringing other people up. Got it. Okay. And so for me, it's we spent our my first year 
getting core foundational salespeople. Yep. Like people that know their job, that know something that they're doing. Yep. The next mountain is to how do we get the next wave? How do we get people that haven't worked for another sample company, that right. haven't worked in field work? How can we get people to be excited about not bring just new, sales, bring new, but market research? Yeah, got it. Right. So bringing new people into the talent pool. Bringing in new people, failing fast with them, like yes. trying to find the yes. spot where they need to go. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then for the people that are established, like we were just like getting more like sales ops. Right. That type of thing. Right. Um, I'll be honest, my sales guy that hired me 14 years ago yeah. doesn't need me to tell him how to do like a His job. Prop, yeah, right? right. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't need to go through objections. He just needs like the discipline mm-hmm. of, that goes through like how to run a report, how to do things. Yes. And I can, if I could focus my leadership on the next wave, yeah. because I'm not happy being $20 million, right. I'm going to be 50, I'm right. going to be 100, right. and I don't get there, nobody gets there. By doing the same thing, no. yeah. We yeah, have yeah. to bring in. I like your idea of accountability partners as well. So it's not just, you know, everybody, the manager keeps each person accountable. It's you keep each other accountable to do yeah. better and to continue to raise the bar or climb the mountain, if you yeah. will. That's probably the one old school sales thing about me yeah. that... I wish I could scrub off as having like leaderboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeing like yes. that accountability, like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not number one right now. Yeah. But I think like, we can grow past that. Sure. And everyone starts to find their own, because sometimes the sales number isn't the number one mm-hmm. motivator. That's a huge change, yeah. I think. Like the sales number, the commission, the where you rank on something, like that isn't the only motivator anymore. It's also how you feel, yeah. right? You In feel. your job. And, right. and is it satisfying? Is it gratifying? Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Right. What about your favorite leadership book? That's tough. I mean, you read all the time. Um, (laughs) You read all the time. Although Dietrich's kind of shaking his head over there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I get the gist of a lot of books. My wife always tells me, she was like, we have more books that you've read 75 pages of than anybody in the world. I think I've dumbed it down a lot more. Have you? I don't read sales books anymore. Yeah. Um, Not that I've mastered it or anything, but I just don't read them anymore. But I'll read, like, I read Atomic Habits. I love that Um, book. and. Yeah. Relative of yours? Yes. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll, I'll read those type of books. Yeah. Just kind of like a refresher, like something that I already knew, but like a different spin on yep. it. Yeah. I find myself listening, like when I listen to podcasts, which I do more than, I consider that reading. Yeah. I'm doing that more than okay. like listening to Brene Brown, leading yes. to like leadership type things or like empathy based podcast. Yep. yep. Helps me more in leadership than reading like a traditional sales yeah, book. Ronald yeah. Covey book yeah, yeah. or some other thing. Yeah. Cool. Adam, thanks so much for joining me today. I think we did this live. See, what we did it one time. I know. Right? <laughs> yes. Very good. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to. 
Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and 